Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show, coming to you from the University of Limerick. Rents are rising rapidly, housing costs are spiralling. Ireland is facing down the biggest cost of living crisis in decades. I'll speak to renters, students, economists and politicians about how we got here and what needs to be done. And I'm live in studio as we analyse the big issues that are causing a crunch for so many families up and down the country and what our government is planning to do to tackle them. We want to hear your thoughts on these important issues. Get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions. Hashtag tonight VMTV. The housing crisis has been building in Ireland for years. A new report shows just how tough it has been. Rents across the country are up 10% in just the last quarter of 2021. It's an example of how the cost of living is squeezing families everywhere. Well, joining me to discuss this and more is Roshi Nihulavon, a student at the University of Limerick, Megan Scully, broadcaster and renter in the city, and Stephen Kinsler, Professor of Economics at the University here. You're all very welcome along to the programme. Uh, Megan, to start with you, uh, that daft report that I mentioned there that was out today just shows how tight the supply is. When we look at properties available in the Munster region alone, there's something like 211 homes available. As someone who's been renting in the city for years, how familiar is this story and how familiar is the crisis to you? It's been... It's been really difficult because I guess in more recent years I have looked into buying a property and getting my first home and getting on the property ladder and you know I went to the banks and I got approved for mortgage pre-2020 and all going well and I started viewing a load of apartments but I found that I was I'd walk in the door and someone else would walk in after me and suddenly the price of the house would be gone up 20 or 30,000 there and then because someone would come in and say I'll actually throw this extra on it so suddenly I just wasn't able to purchase anything and then as we know of course the pandemic happened and Mm -hmm. then no bank would even give me a mortgage anymore they took it away from me and I just kind of realized then that I just have to stay renting I have no other option and buying is completely not happening for me in any time soon from what I can tell so my options are stay renting or move home which I, I want to stay where I am I love living in Limerick City it's a great city to live in it's really fun it's really vibrant there's loads going on all the time and I'm constantly saying to a lot of my friends that you should really come here and um, but the reality is I'm a renter I've been renting now for six years in the city and I see that continuing for I don't know how many more years. Do you see it as being something that's affordable to you? When we look at the average rents in the city, uh, according to this report, €1,400 per month to live in the city on average. 
You know, people in Limerick talk about making Limerick a really livable city. They want to attract more people into the city centre, but it's just not possible because if you can pay that sort of extortionate rent that we see these days, and I looked on Daft myself before I came here to see what's available, if for some reason I had to find a new place to live next week, I wouldn't be able to afford to live in Limerick City the way things are going. Um, it's just ludicrous to think that that's out there. And I did look to see that if I was to get approved for mortgage, what my monthly repayments would be, and they would be much less than renting. So it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, Stephen, like when we talk about this and, and we talk really about the squeeze on people and how difficult it is with, you know, earnings to still be able to afford um, to live in this city, other cities and actually right across the country, the way we're seeing the rental rises. Is there a case to be made now for a rent freeze? Are these rises actually sustainable? They're not sustainable. You can't have a situation where there's a vast imbalance between people's disposable income and the, the kinds of rents that we're, we're seeing. Uh, um, and they're, they're, they're rising far in advance of inflation and other topics. Um, across the, the political spectrum this week and last week, all we've talked about is this massive 5.5% rise in the general price level. If prices of housing only went up by 5.5%, we wouldn't be having this discussion. So it just shows that the, the, the debate is kind of normalized around 12%, 14%, 16% year on year and quarter on quarter rises. So it's not sustainable. And what is going to have to happen is a vast increase in supply. And I actually genuinely do think at a certain point, you're going to have to consider a rent freeze. Um, now, private, private landlords are exiting the market. As well, they're either moving in, they're selling off to uh, um, bigger landlords or they're, they're just converting their apartments into Airbnbs or something like that. So the actual supply of rental accommodation is falling. But fundamentally, what you're seeing is there's not enough to go around. I'm the head of department in, in the economics department and I have to deal with students every single day, including today, mm -hmm. where they're saying, I can't come to college because I have to commute long distances. Um, I have to work as well. Um, I, I, I'm not uh, in secure accommodation. I have to move around. So what are you going to do to, to help me? So the University of Limerick itself is actually dealing with this on a weekly, daily, and on an individual basis because mm -hmm. we can talk about percentage rises. We can talk about you know, disposable income uh, indices and all this kind of stuff. It really comes down to people, you know, individual people, people like Megan, who are, who, are, who are actually experiencing this on a daily basis. And, it makes the student experience much, much mm. harder uh, as an, uh, as um, just just as a way of of, uh, of going through third level. Yeah, navigating through college. I mean, normal college life. That's something, Roisin, that I think you're finding quite hard to achieve now. You're a fourth year student um, here in the university. How has it been for you to try to afford um, to live close to the college and at the same time? to have a, a, a regular university experience as other students, brothers and sisters may have had? Well, I have no brothers and sisters, but um, it is, it's definitely a different year. I think myself, um, I actually work full time in college, so I'm supporting myself, but I know that a lot of other people wouldn't have an income to fall back on. Um, I'm very lucky my parents as well, um, if anything happened or I didn't have a house to stay in, they could support me. So for my situation, it's very different to other people. Um, but still the affordability, you know, I'm spending 624 euro a year on transport, getting in and out in college. I'm spending 500 50 euro a month on my uh, rent and I'm going in and out and you know I don't have that ability and flexibility to be able to be in college and enjoy that whole experience um, and I think I, I have it easy do you know there's a lot of students out there that are in hostels that are in hotels that are you know 
commuting hours and hours to go to and from college. So I have it easy and I'm very, very lucky and I'm in a privileged position um, right now where I think a lot of other people have it a lot tougher um, and I think it's only going to get worse. And hotels are being used in Limerick um, to house students. That's, that, that's actively happening now, isn't it, because of the rental crisis? Yeah, and it, like, it's very expensive. I think the, the difference between your, like, so whatever, I'm paying 550 euro a month, you know, you're maybe paying 550 euro a week for a hotel. Um, and that, by, you know, four, four weeks in a month, uh, that all adds up. Um, and it becomes worse and worse. And then there's also people that are couch surfing that are in these precarious living situations. Um, and as we know, um, Ireland isn't as safe in recent events mm -hmm. that we've seen. So young people in kind of weird situations, um, it's not good to see. Yeah, well, um, earlier on, our producer Amy O'Brien spoke to John de Courcy, an auctioneer from Limerick, to get an idea of what the housing market is like in the city. Well, it's showing Limerick at an average rent of about 1400 a month. Now, anything in Limerick will cost you between 1500 and 2000 So the market is hot and there's a supply issue. So there's very few units to rent. In the last 12 months, we've seen anything from 10 to 15% increase. Again, we have a supply issue. There isn't that many houses for sale and anything comes on, there's normally a bidding process and they're making very good money. Well, student houses in Castle Troy will fetch anything from two to 3,000 per month for the student term. Again, they're very scarce and it's, it's a supply issue again, but there's a lot of students in Limerick at the moment and that's an issue as well. Um, John de Courcy saying, you know, it's a big student city and that's affecting the, the price of rents right across the city. From your point of view, Megan, would you like to see your future, if it isn't in homeowning, to be a long-term rental uh, renter in this, in this city and for that to be something that's possible for people right around the country, like we've seen in other European cities? I'd absolutely love that and I think that would be a great scenario. The apartment I'm in now, I adore it, um, but obviously the furniture in it is the furniture that came in the apartment. But if I had, you know, someone said to me, look, you can have this apartment for the next 10, 20, 30 years and you can furnish it yourself. At least I know then I could get a, like a small loan out and I could turn it into my own little home. And I think that would be the ideal situation. And then maybe down the line, if in five, 10 years, my situation changes where possibly I need a bigger home or I need a family home, then I could do that as well. But at the moment, I guess, as I said, your renting is my only option, but there's not long-term security in renting. So it's kind of, um, I guess, I'm kind of hoping that I can stay there as long as I can. But as, if that option was there, I'd be happy to do that. Or even like a rent to buy scheme as well. But I was doing my research on that as well. And that obviously has its pros, but mm. also very much so its cons as well. So I'm in my thirties, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I see my friends trying to buy homes. Some have bought homes, some are on their own trying to buy, some are in relationships buying. And to be honest, it's just, it's, it's really horrible and awful for a lot of people. And it's, it's kind of frightening mm. to think that we're at this age and we, we can't buy. Yeah, Stephen, to add to all of this, of course, is the cost of living crisis that we're really feeling now in 2022. Similar to the, the housing issue, it, there's a divide really between who's able to afford or who's able to, to manage inflation and who cannot. And in this case, would you say it's the poorest who are worst off and really facing the biggest increases in their daily lives? Indeed. I mean, it, it, listening to, to Megan and Roisin, it's really clear, you know, there's a segregation in Irish society between people who can get onto, um, get, get access to housing and pensions and people who can't. 
and there are lots of people you know of your generation who can do that um, and uh, and they become part of this stable uh, um, um, uh, element in society and then there, there are people who kind of want to access that then when you look at people who who can afford to absorb a price increase and who can't um, typically people on fixed incomes have a really hard problem doing that and um, so uh, people on social welfare and pensions people on disability people who are working they can tend to work a little bit harder or or they can work a bit longer mm -hmm. um, and they can tend to absorb the cost of inflation a little bit better but that's almost always when it's one area that's causing the price inflation. So for example, if the price of, I don't know, oranges was going up or something, people would say, well, I'll have fewer oranges or I'll shop around, as, some, uh, as a Deputy Fleming said infamously this week. Um, you can't do that when it's the price of oil, right? So energy prices are what's causing uh, the inflation and that's spilling into everything else. Fossil fuel prices go up, fertilizer prices go up, food prices go up. So everything is interconnected. And the problem is with policy measures that we're seeing the government discuss, they're not going to end that segregation. Like they're talking about changing the price of, uh, you know, passports and stuff. Um, when, re when in reality, it's the energy price that, that needs to come down. So I fully, see, I fully expect you're going to see a big cost of living spend from the government the next couple of weeks. Something like uh, another Christmas bonus, um, something like a direct okay. fuel credit or something like that to make sure that the poorest in our society don't have to face that segregation. Because if they do, the kind of anger that, 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 that Megan has, has, has articulated with respect to housing is going to be far more widespread and uh, you know, woe betide any government that uh, tries to ignore that. Yeah, so there's a whole suite of measures, as we know, being announced. Um, so we're going to hear a number of things. Um, in your opinion, what would be the most effective measure, or among the most effective measures, on, on who to target, who to help in this instance? Well, the first thing is you have to help people on fixed incomes. They can't cope. So a pensioner can't cope with a rise in the, in the price of the fuel that they use to heat their homes. They just can't cope with it. They can't go out and work harder. They can't decide to shop around for coal, right? So fundamentally, you have to give them an extra fuel allowance or some kind of energy credit. We know that most households are experiencing their biggest um, cost of energy right now because it's the colder months. So everybody needs some bit of, mm -hmm. a, of a credit. I absolutely would not suggest giving a cut to that for example, on fuel, because all that's going to do is really advantage people with, you know, three-litre uh, uh, Ranla tractors driving around the place. Like, that's not going to help them. Although I'm so sure in some rural them. areas they might disagree about, uh, about that when they're trying to, to fill up um, of regularly. Of course. But yeah, but it, it's across it the board, you say that the universal um, relief Indeed. aren't necessarily going to solve the problem. They won't. Um, what would you like to see, Roisin, um, uh, to, to help you with the cost of living? I, I presume for you, the issue of rent is a big one. That's something that the opposition have, uh, have asked for, to see rent freezes at this time, to see rent caps in place. Yeah, well, obviously that would be good, but I think I'm 24 right now, and in the next couple of years, I want to buy a house. I want to be able to afford um, a really good um, life for myself. Um, and I think that um, something has to be done um, urgently um, to help young renters like myself. I'm 24, Megan said she's in her 30s. We need to have options available to us. And I'm very realistic about it. Like, you know, as Stephen said earlier, house prices rose by 12% last year. If they keep going the way they are, we're just being pushed and pushed and 
pushed further and further away. And for me, you know, if I wanted to afford a house in Limerick, let's say average 190,000, I have to have 19,000 mm. as my deposit. And I also have to have legal fees and all this other myriad of costs. And to put that together at 24, it's not going to be possible. And especially as a single woman, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, so for me, I want to see um, an Ireland that um, is favoured for young people and that maybe obviously we have to um, sort this supply versus demand issue mm. in the housing sector and I think that's what the government do you, do you doing. see yourself owning a home in the future well yeah of course I do I have I'm very hopeful do you know um, I might have to graft and grind for a couple of years but I'll definitely own my own home and I'll do you know roll my sock I roll my socks up or whatever and try the best I can but is it realistic? I don't know. Will I have to wait till I'm married? Probably. Uh, Megan, do you share that same hope? Because we're talking about the cost of living. You're also getting bills through the door. You know, you're a professional, you're working, you're, you're out of college now. Um, and, and, and there's all those extra costs that are mounting up, as well as potentially, if there's any money left over, trying to save for a home. I've even noticed with the, um, with the price in, in fuel and electricity that Steve mentioned as well, like I drive a one litre car, it's very small and it, you know, I noticed last day trying to fill the tank and I couldn't believe the difference. And I'm on the road a lot because I work between Limerick, Cork, Dublin and Galway. Um, I would get an electric car, can't afford one at the moment. I've been checking up the prices of them too, which I know would be the best thing. But then of course, yeah, the, the cost of bills is going up. Electricity is going up. I have to put, you know, it's, I think sometimes maybe if I just put on extra blankets in the bed, but that's no way to be living either. Like I graduated from the University of Limerick in 2011, so I'm over 10 years now working. I never wanted to immigrate. I wanted to stay living in Ireland and I have lived in Dublin and Galway and I actually did a few years in London, but I just love being in Limerick and I hope that I, they can, I can create a future here and stay here and that it's sustainable. But as Roshan mentioned, I definitely can't afford to buy a house right now. And I, uh, as much as I'd love to as well, and I love the idea of setting up my own home and I'd love to actually get somewhere that I could renovate and, and yeah. have a little doer upper. You, men you mentioned emigration there. Is that increasingly an option? Is that increasingly the, the talk of people your age that actually, you know, we're not going to get to own a home here. This is all increasingly unaffordable for us and we're better off getting out. Well, the last recession, I know a lot of people in my age bracket from South Galway, that's where I'm originally from, um, went to Australia, New Zealand, and they went all abroad and they're still there. They've bought homes, they're married, they've kids, they've, they've full life set up. And I thought, you know, when everything would settle in Ireland, they'd all come back home. And I think that's what everyone thought. But you know what, they've got a really good lifestyle. They're earning mm. well and they, the cost of living matches what they're earning. That's not the case here. I'm 32 now and I have two years to get a visa for Australia. So I have to strongly consider that. Uh, that's the key thing, isn't it, um, Stephen, when it comes to this is, is actually, you know, your earnings versus your ability then to buy. And there's a huge gap here in Ireland with that, isn't there? There is. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like that gap is going to get bridged. Every single measure um, that the government has brought in in Housing for All and the previous um, versions of, of Housing for All were essentially supply-based measures. It was like, we'll induce the market to make more houses. Um, you have to say, if you're sort of a right-wing person, well, the market will solve the problem, we'll increase the price, people will want to build more houses, the more houses will be built, the price will go down. That is not what has happened. If that had happened, we would not have this problem. The problem is people hoard land and then when the price goes up they release only enough houses into the system to justify the price. And what about government measures to tackle that, the, the land hoarding, the vacant well, land tax? Well, we would need to see vast amounts of enforcement. And so, as far as I know, the number of people whose job it, it is to enforce vacant levies is under five in the entire country. 
And so uh, this being Ireland, if it isn't rigorously enforced, it isn't going to be complied with. You know, we talked about price controls and rental controls before. There is large-scale evidence that, that those are not being complied with by private landlords. So we can make all the rules we want, but until you enforce them, they're just bits of paper. So I'd love to see loads more enforcement there. The government in the last budget brought in a, a, a much tougher uh, vacant site levy regime. It's still not as strong as I would like to see, but fundamentally, I think we have to view dereliction as a kind of social vandalism, um, as one economist has called it. Mm. And I think um, when we start seeing it in that way, you know, and people go on Twitter, if they look up derelict Ireland, you'll see these fantastic houses that are just empty. And if that doesn't induce anger in us all, there's something wrong, right? So I think policy can solve these problems. There's nothing completely special about Ireland. It's just another country, fundamentally. I know we think we're great, but like, it's just another market. So there, we, we can get lessons from abroad and bring them here. We just need to actually make them work. Okay, well, I'd like to thank my panel, Roshini Hulavon, Megan Scully and Stephen Kinsla. Coming up next, students at the University of Limerick tell us their housing worries and what the government should do about it. I'm from Cork. Cork at the moment are going on. There's only maybe 100 homes up in Daft at the moment. and It's really hard to come across and really hard to find the financial stability to do so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back. It's been a difficult few years for students with disruption throughout the pandemic being topped off by a struggle to find affordable accommodation. Our producer Sean Dunn spoke to students here at the University of Limerick about those challenges. Take a listen. I don't think I will own my own house here in Ireland because as you say, it's really expensive. And now I'm just working part time and I almost spend all my salary in my rent. So I currently live with my parents, but they're almost paying a grand a month and we don't, we live outside the city like, which is a good bit like. If you finally get on the, the, the property ladder, you're, you're golden because your mortgage payments can be less than your rent. But you can't get there, it's a, you know, it's a pipe dream. Even now we're saying with our PME course, um, it's hard to have it fully in person, so we had to do half online because a lot of people couldn't even find uh, apartments or houses to rent for. Council housing is very hard to come by, um, but I would like to own my own home eventually, but, but it's not something I see happening anytime soon. It's obviously hard enough to find a place to stay now during college, and then I know my parents themselves, like they were lucky enough to buy a house way back when, but I'd say 
renting's the way forward. Like I might go to America for a couple of years and work, but I might think I probably will end up back in Ireland again at some point. <laughs> I'm from Cork. Cork at the moment are going on. There's only maybe a hundred homes up in Daft at the moment, and it's really hard to come across and really hard to find the financial stability to do so. Well, joining me to discuss more is Niall Collins, Minister of State for Skills and Further Education, and Michael McNamara, Independent TD. You're both very welcome along to, pro to the programme. And Niall Collins, um, to come to you first. And just on the issue we really see, and we've heard from students today, it's very difficult. I mean, this isn't just a student issue, of course, but rents and, and the rental crisis that we're seeing, not just here in Limerick, but right around the country. Uh, the question is, with cost of living com coming into play as well here. What's going to be done about it? Yeah, so this is the big challenge which government is facing up to in terms of the supply, uh, ramping up supply of accommodation, house building, and getting supply and demand equalised. We've produced a fairly comprehensive strategy, housing for all. Um, that's for students as well. It's for everybody within society. So we're talking about ramping up the building of social housing, affordable housing, cost rental, uh, the new cost rental model, but also, of course, private housing. That's a big element uh, within all of this, and private housing, not alone for residential, but for rental okay. purposes. So that's the key to it, Claire. Let's just talk about the rent pressure zones, because in Limerick and in other cities, there are those um, rent pressure zones in place that, that cap rent. But we've seen a 10% rise in rents in the past year. So how do you account for that? Clearly, they're not fit for purpose. Yeah, and you have some, some properties not, not near enough that come in uh, and distort the, the, the rental uh, statistics. But rent pressure, the RPZs, the rent pressure zones, are a vital tool in terms of um, impacting um, inflation and helping people. Do you think they're working? I do think they're working. Uh, obviously, there's legal complexities with it in terms of uh, there has been a discussion around rent caps and the Attorney General has given government advice in relation to that. But we, we go back to the key point, Claire. It's about increasing supply. We've seen a huge growth in the number of commencements last year, uh, housing units yeah. which commenced, about 21,000. About 35,000 planning permissions were granted in the last 12 months for residential yeah. units. Uh, so the we supply is ramping to, up We will get on to that issue of supply, but just going back to, to rents and, and what's affordable right now, clearly the rent pressure zones are not working in our cities around the country or in those areas that are deemed rental hotspots. So in terms of what the government's going to provide to help with the cost of living, will they be looking at rent freezes? Um, the, the, the whole, that's a decision of government, so I can't preempt any decision that government will right. take. But is it being discussed? I mean, uh, they're in government. Everything gets considered, and, and Cabinet will take on board all of those decisions, all of the implications in relation to that. But specifically in relation to students, I want to say this, it, it's a key priority of government also to ramp up and increase the supply of uh, student accommodation on campus and off campus student accommodation because we've seen a huge mm. um, issue in relation to that. Uh, we've had huge challenges which have arose from COVID in terms of the construction sector and has impacted on the supply, uh, particularly of uh, new houses because of the, the lockdowns, uh, the cessation of construction during the lockdowns. But student accommodation is key also to our housing for all delivery strategy. Of course, it's always been a problem, um, especially in this city, that the whole issue of rent and housing supply. Michael McNamara, uh, to come to you on this, we've heard what Niall Collins has had to say about tackling this, the housing for all plan being key to all of that. Um, do you buy it? Well, I mean, we've seen a lot of plans, and this is the latest of a large number of plans really over the past 10 years that haven't led to any 
uh, marked increase in the number of housing, the housing stock being constructed at the moment. And of course, we also have a huge amount of vacant housing stock. Um, most, much of Limerick City is three or four storeys. Uh, many of those storeys not occupied, haven't been occupied for decades now. Um, it's not economically viable for the private sector to bring those back into housing stock to get maybe students, couples, whoever wants to live in them, to get them up to standard and convert them back into apartments. Limerick isn't unique in that regard. Other cities are the same. Indeed, every market town across Ireland is like that. Uh, but, you know, it's very, very expensive to bring that type of housing stock up to the standard required and it is something that the government are going to have to intervene in. I know there's a proposal to give a €30,000 grant to young uh, people or young couples to take over a derelict house but I mean to take over a derelict house in the country is, is one thing to, to try to convert those large buildings back into housing stock I think is going to require a concerted effort. So you say more than, more than the money that is currently being offered to couples or to two individuals who want to take on a derelict pro property and do something with it? Well I mean a leading architect like Shelley McNamara, who's from Clare, is no relation of mine, has said that we are going to need pilot projects. We're going to have to look at build regs because the current build regs, nobody's suggesting that, that they should be allowed to be converted into slums, but the current build regs are really onerous for old buildings, some of which are protected structures a couple of hundred years old. So to get them back, to get people back living in them, living over uh, shops and, and, uh, and offices across our cities, as they do in most other European countries, has to be a target and one I think that the government aren't really looking at sufficiently. But, you know, that's not going to be enough either. We do need to have uh, houses and apartments being built across the country yeah. and there's a lot of plans but very little actual movement and building. Niall, on, on that issue of vacant housing and we're hearing about it, especially in Limerick, it, it appears to be a particular problem. Is there urgency around this issue? It, it, it's something that could free up a lot of homes for people who badly need them. Yeah, there, there has been a number of initiatives in relation to derelict properties. The, the local authority here in Limerick is very proactive in terms of uh, pursuing properties under the Derelict Sites Act and bringing them back into use. But it's, it's important to say, and I know I've mentioned, and, I, and I'm mentioning again, the Housing for All plan. Government is putting real money. What's different about this plan is government is committing four billion a year uh, of real money, new money, into the building of social, affordable, and private homes. So that's what makes it but different. But just on this, on the on the derelict housing, yeah, and what, I, I, what Michael's I, I, talking on, there on about, the derelict, you know, on the derelict vacant housing. sites above shops that could be used, that are there. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you and, have and, a structure in place. And and Dar O'Brien is dealing with that. He's he's bringing forward a proposal in terms of. Um, uh, providing grants uh, for derelict properties. We're also over, overhauling the planning legislation. The Taoiseach has instructed the, the Attorney General and the officials within the Housing Department to carry out a complete review of our entire planning uh, legislation and make it fit for purpose for modern day because we have seen abuses of the planning uh, code in terms of uh, judicial reviews, serial objectors, uh, people frustrating and slowing down uh, the, the, the delivery uh, of housing and particularly new housing. Right. So we've, we've a lot going on in, in this space, uh, Claire, really, and the supply is beginning to deliver now. I think it's important to say that. All right. Uh, I want to talk about the, the cost of living and, and the measures that are due to be introduced. What would you see as, as a priority, Michael McNamara, in this current situation where people are finding it really tough? Um, middle income, low income earners. I mean, Stephen Kinsler made the point earlier that it's for the poor, it's the most expensive. It's, it's, that, it's unaffordable right now for them. Accommodation. 
No, not in terms of accommodation, but generally across yeah, the no, board, the cost, cost of living. Yeah, no, the cost of living is, is rising and the government, I, I do accept, is limited what it can do, but you know, we do need to achieve energy security in this country. We don't have it at the moment. There's a plan to shut down the biggest power station in the country, not far from here, without any idea of what's going to replace it in terms of I energy production. If, we're not, if we don't have energy security in the country, then we're completely at the mercy of other countries in international markets. Uh, obviously, energy is very expensive and importing coal uh, until such time uh, as we can get green energy um, to a sufficient level is going to be expensive but at least we can uh, stockpile it and we can have energy security so I mean I think the cost of energy is a huge factor the cost of accommodation is, is another huge factor and we have to bear in mind when that you say the cost of energy now what would you like to see happen uh, well, I need a, a plan for energy security in this state. How is this state going to power itself in 2022? How is it going to power itself in 2024? How is it going to power itself in 2030? Because we don't have a great track record of huge infrastructural projects. There's a plan to build eight power plants to replace Money Point by 2024, and none of them have even been started. But that's just energy. We have to realise that all of this um, um, cost of living um, initiative is being funded uh, from an underspend in accommodation and broadband development. And I mean, because of that, we have to question if there's an underspend in developing accommodation in the state by the government, that's in leading to an increase in the cost of accommodation. Obviously, broadband is a mm. huge issue too because if broadband is in place, people can okay. move out of cities and there's less pressure on, on, uh, on major urban centres. From what Michael's saying, there's an awful lot of catching up to do. There's been an awful lot of underspending. Is the government willing to spend on this? Of course the government is willing to spend. We're coming off the back of the pandemic, which has impacted on the delivery of, of a lot of work across government. I think that's fair to say, and I think the vast majority of people understand that. But in relation to the cost of living, government is going to take a number of measures. As you know, the Cabinet subcommittee is meeting in relation to that tomorrow. We'll brief the party leaders. Um, early decisions will be taken on that. Are we will... going to see the likes of welfare bonuses coming in yeah, earlier? So, well, what we've had in, in the budget, we've had a budget package of 500 million uh, euro package in relation to taxation. Yeah, I'm talking uh, about now and immediate urgent measures around the social welfare, uh, there's about a 500 million euro package which uh, is feeding through. We will see, I suspect, um, some improvements in the fuel allowance. There's already been a 50% increase in the fuel allowance and the electricity credit. Um, you know, there's, that's obviously, as we know, 100 euros that may be higher. All of these decisions will be taken. But on a welfare um, bonus? Um, there, there, may be, there may be a welfare bonus. I don't have the detail now, but okay. government is actively considering all of this. All right, we'll have to leave it there. My thanks to Noel Collins and Michael McNamara. That is it from Limerick. After the break, my colleague Gavin Riley will have more from our Dublin studio. Welcome back. Now, as we were hearing in Limerick, the rental market is putting a strain on many people when it comes to the money in their pockets. And today's report from daft.ie lays that bare. Prices going up by 10% nationally in the last few months of 2021. Here to discuss this and more are Rory Hearn, Assistant Professor of Social Policy at Maynooth University, Carl Dieter, who's a financial advisor, and Fionn Sheehan, Ireland editor at independent.ie. Uh, Rory, I'll start with yourself. 10% in a year is astronomical by anyone's terms. Is that a sign of the market working? are maybe working for some people but not others? Yeah, the, the rents, again, incredible. Um, you know, renters are struggling 10%, you know, but if we look at places like Mayo, Sligo, it was 20%. Like, that's just 
incredible. Like that's not sustainable at any level. Um, the rental system, if we look at it now, supply is down a lot. Um, in terms of new rentals coming on board. But the real problem here is at one level we have, as I said, places like Mayo, Sligo, around the country, rents increasing as high as 20%. The rent pressure zones don't cover these areas. Mm. That's part of the problem. Well, even if they did, rent pressure zones were only applied to existing <coughs> tenancies. But presumably, if these are being advertised on Daft, it's for new people going into new properties. So it would never have applied anyway. Exactly. And that's part of the problem. We're seeing that new um, tenancies aren't covered by the existing rent caps. We also see that even in the rent pressure zones, rent increasing 10% way beyond the existing caps. And so at the heart... How, how can rent be going up that much if the market has already limited existing tenancies to 2%? How can there be a commercial demand for things to go up that much if there's already a ceiling in place that limits what existing tenants can pay? Surely that's dragging backwards the market. Well, you see, the issue is that, it, as you said, these rents are new rental tenancies that are coming to the market. And this is what the rent is. So this is what's increasing. So it doesn't tell you much about what is happening existing rents. But what it does tell us very clearly is that rents, new rental properties are absolutely unaffordable. There is not enough of them. But a big problem is the role of investor funds in this. We know a significant amount of the new property coming to the market is really unaffordable rentals. And initially, I've been criticised for calling them vulture funds. I actually think it would be more appropriate to call them vampire funds, because essentially what they're going to be doing is feeding off generation rent for decades to come. This is what is happening in this country and also the investor funds don't build anywhere outside Dublin. So we have this problem. Who is supplying the homes outside Dublin? And the government has refused consistently to put in place a rental cap that would freeze rents and not allow them continuously increase. Uh, Carl Dieter, you uh, had a, a slight sort of frown there when you heard that there was no properties being developed outside Dublin. I don't know if that's something you agree with. What do you take on the idea of vampire funds? taking yeah. their living off the rest of us for generations. Like, that's good terminology. Coins like nice phrases, vultures, vampires. Like, well, cuckoos is appropriate, isn't it? Yeah, because well, they're taking stuff that isn't really intended for them. Think about it like this. Imagine we didn't have them at all. Would you be happier? If we didn't have any of those houses, we'd be better off then. But they're no good as, as an affordable supply. They're not a supply don't, don't of affordable, affordable housing. Supply. Would we be better off without those houses? No. We absolutely <laughs> would, because then you could actually use the land that they're building to actually build homes on, affordable homes. But that's part of the doesn't exist in this realm type of thinking. I mean, that's Star Wars stuff. Like, Carl, was it you, could, you could reverse time and somehow go forward again and have some different outcome. If you don't have those homes, by the way, when a house gets rented out, even if it's unaffordable, assuming that whoever moves in there can afford it, they normally free out somewhere else down the chain as well. And this is why even when a house is, is bought for a million euro, it actually creates a housing uh, it loosens up housing right down but, all the way to it, the bottom. It surely price can't house. be positive, though, having that report today from BNP Paribas that says that 4,900 homes were bought by institutional investors last year, which could otherwise have been bought by families to raise their children or by private people who just want their own roof over their heads. It's hardly good for the market if those are completely taken away and are now rent alone. Look, like, it, a part of me wants to agree with that because that would mean loads of mortgages and I'd be a beneficiary in some sense from that. Uh, but let's not forget, renters are people too. Okay, so you can't just say renting bad, buying good, whoever the landlord is, they're bad, certain types of landlord are good. Like for years we were told we need professional landlords, now we have them and no one seems happy about it. The, the, the market is, has overcorrected though of those people who they were intended to be brought in so that they would pr provide new properties, but they're often not providing new properties, they're but, taking properties that someone else has built, which is why they're called cookies. Well, and we, we did change rules for them and, you know, we keep on meddling with it. But the whole thing is, if you need to increase housing supply, the best example we have is actually is the financial crisis. 
because after that happened, we had overbuilt and prices went down, got very affordable, rents were cheap, house prices were cheap. It's that kind of ramping up of activity that is, is, is required. And if we keep saying, well, look, let's have some activity here, but not there. Let's object to this one, but agree with this one. You're never going to get to that, that, that mass movement effect that actually makes the difference. And the effect needs to be to actually dampen prices. I mean, that's, that is what the objective has to be. A lot of but people these, aren't happy to hear units, that. This supply is never going to deliver an affordable supply. The rents that they are coming in on, two grand a month for a one-bedroom apartment. It will. But the demand, demand is so high that there is no point. At what point is, is there going to be enough of these apartments delivered that will actually bring down prices? And they will do nothing for the rent well, down in Mayo this, this or, a, or Sligo or Mullingar. This is a 2007 they, conversation. It gets to a point where prices do drop. Well, I mean, but, but we have they, history they, to prove this. They're not going well, to deliver a point. And also, if we look at it, what happened in the crash was actually that prices went so high that they caused a crash. So is that where we're heading to again? Another crash. You know, the, and also a lot be. of property in the yeah, last we, three or four we, years. we could be heading to another crash, Carl. You're nodding at that. I've, I've, yeah, I've always agreed that, that you know you have winter and summer, uh, and, and and well, because prices are becoming so high that no one can afford them anyway without being leveraged it, and that it just can't it, be sustained. It's it's not so much that that that's not really the dynamic. What it is is that there's so many signals in the market to create supply that everyone gets in on it, and it's almost like this lemming effect where the whole market starts to shift in a certain direction. And you go into hyper supply. It's a, it's an idea that is well established in economic theory and and in economic history. Uh, and what happens is it's really difficult to tell where you were. So like if you were driving in Galway in the night and there was no road signs, no GPS, you wouldn't necessarily know when you got there, but suddenly if you arrived, you'd be like, wow, we're here. And, and property markets are like that. You can't always see when you've hit the equilibrium. And because okay. of this, they tend to overshoot below and overshoot above. And so, yeah, a price correction is absolutely expected at some point. Well, the government's stance on investment funds, cuckoos, vampires, whatever you might like to call them, was a key topic in the Dole today. And tempers did get a little bit frayed at leaders' questions. Do you know what your policy is doing? It's actually making a bad situation worse. You have objected to about 6,000 houses, Sinn Féin have, objected to them. Please, now the and time. And voted against them happening. I, I'm fed up with this yeah. t-shirt lying about what Sinn Féin Please Council is doing. do not they accuse the t-shirt. Right. It, it, it is not acceptable to accuse any member of the House of lying. I would ask you to withdraw Absolutely that not withdraw it. I'm more than happy to substitute willingly misleading Thank the House you. for lying. Thank the you. same thing, t-shirt. Thank you. I have to be honest, I'm never quite under sure what the difference is between accusing someone of lying and accusing them of willfully misleading, but those are the dull rules. Um, Fiona Sheehan, I sometimes find all this now a little bit tedious, all this he said, she said about who's actually responsible for housing delays because all the rowing doesn't actually get anything done, does it? You're, you're kind of at the situation now with housing where you were with the health service 20 years ago. Every couple of years you get a new minister arrives, he comes in, he says the situation is very bad, I'm going to develop a new plan. I, a la Michal Martin back in 2001, 2002 with his national health strategy, you now have uh, Dara O'Brien with Housing for All. And then you give that a couple of years and you see, will, will that improve the situation? Ultimately, it's, it's something that, you know, it, it's mm -hmm. never really going to be uh, completely resolved, as, as Carol says, unless something happens so uh, do we need, like, the a market to an adverse Do we need effect. a slaunch of care for housing then that stops these things? You, you probably need something that, that's getting greater consensus than, than housing for all at the moment. At the same time, you'd have to say, um, to be fair to Dara O'Brien, he... He is in power. He is willing to take decisions and, and stand over them. 
there are other people who are either not willing to take the decision or not willing to go into power in the first place uh, and therefore will never be in a position to, to, to make uh, such decisions. So rightly or wrongly, we'll, we'll measure how he's getting on. Uh, like you've you got to give him a little bit of time. They have had that dramatic disruption of the last two sure. years. Yeah. Nonetheless, when you're seeing local authorities coming in with zero social housing in a year, you really got to wonder, is the system yeah. in any way equipped uh, to, to deal with this? Owen O'Brien was on the, on the plinth of, of Dáil Éireann today talking about that daft report, and he was asked what he's going to do to actually bring rents down, and he didn't necessarily have an answer to it. He said he wants to have the three-year rent freeze, and hopefully there will be more supply in the meantime, and he wants to give a, a one-month rent credit by way of a tax refund. But that he didn't actually have anything to make rents any cheaper than they actually are. Does that mean that there's actually a bit of a hole in the Sinn Féin proposition? Well, the Sinn Féin proposition is that you ramp up supply more than the targets that are there in, in Housing for All, uh, than the government's uh, strategy, and that, in, in effect, depending on what way you crunch the numbers, yeah. anywhere between double or 50% more than, than the government is saying can be provided. The issue there is, is there sufficient uh, builders in place? Yeah. Uh, is there, yeah, the house price yeah. uh, inflation in terms in terms of the the supplies that you're going to use for that and so on. The the situation has changed though in in the past two years on on a number of fronts. We are this week two years on from the general election, which people remember as the housing election. But actually, yeah. if you look back to 2016, that was also the housing election. It was just. This one was the housing election for slow learners in Fine Gael who didn't realise that actually the same thing had happened to them <laughs> twice in, in general elections. Um, things have changed. The economic yeah. situation, I mean, obviously COVID stepped in and, and did disrupt things quite dramatically. Probably changed people's perspective about okay. what they regarded as, as a home and a housing. Uh, but also <laughs> our economic prospects as a nation have changed quite okay. substantially. So we do have more revenue available uh, now to build more social Carl, how is rent actually going to come down other than with the sort of correction, the crash you mentioned? Well, we've seen it happen before. Like rents have come down. In fact, leading into the pandemic, rent prices were calming, and it was actually only when we went into the the, the pandemic that they started to to recover and then do so quite strongly. So this idea that rents are a one-way trip—I mean, trees don't grow to the sky. Mm. You know, they rise, they fall. Uh, but the idea, and I suppose it's the main flaw that I would see with a lot of solutions is that the state can jump in and resolve this. I think the state can be a really good facilitator, can create an environment which allows all of these things to take place. But if you look at 2019, which would have been, say, the last somewhat normal year, mm. in that year the government got 1,000 Part 5 houses, which were built by developers, 2,000 local authority homes, 2,000 approved housing body homes. In 2021, Karen and Glen Vey built 3,000 homes between them. They delivered 50,000 more homes in a pandemic year. But at the same time, local authorities, 31 local authorities, thousands of people working yeah. in them, you know, they have a €2 billion Euro budget and they're not even matching just two companies. So, so thinking okay. that this can somehow be solved through, through government, it's just, it's, 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 golden, it's golden era fallacy. There's actually a fallacy to describe it where you believe yeah, that back think, in my day, I, this was, you know, this Carl, did Carl, it. it doesn't work. Carl kind of wants to leave things go, you know, to the market. They'll rise and fall, as he says, they'll come and go with the summer. People's lives are devastated through that. We have had 30 to 40 years of failed housing policy that has been utterly reliant on the market. At the height of the Celtic Tiger, there was only 6% of housing was social housing. At currently, at the moment, we're in a similar situation. 
local authorities, he is right about this, are building very, very little. That is the reality. The are government has been... Why is no, they have the money. Look, the money's not... No, the, this, so it's the them. Well, the issue is that they were essentially cut for 20 years of their capacity. So they actually don't have the architects, the quantity surveyors. They don't have the capacity. So they, they should is, be the builder. They should be the builder. I would argue we, should, we actually need a state, a state construction that, company. That issue goes That is what we need to develop the homes because at the moment the government is completely reliant on the market. So but you asked, you asked about rents. Yeah. There could be something to be done to, to reduce rents. In Berlin they introduced a measure which actually required landlords to reduce rents actively 20 to 30 percent. Mm. I think we need to be looking at that. I think we need to look at measures like for example okay. there was 3,000 <laughs> tenants issued a notice to quit last year. 3,000 and part of what is going on is landlords are 60%, churning tenants. 60% of those, by the way, were landlords leaving the market. It, and that's a question the that needs to be answered yes, as well. But they were right. churning and getting then in higher okay. paying tenants. Uh, Fiona, we're going to hear tomorrow evening about the government's plans for a, a package to address the cost of living. They're ruling out a mini budget. But given that the budget was only drawn up four months ago, and now inflation has gone up so much that the government can't even achieve what it wanted to with its money, why are they still ruling out a mini-budget? And also their own projections on where the economy would land at the end of the year was not actually was entirely accurate. But if you set aside situation three million to deliver X number of houses and now construction inflation has kicked in and you're not going to deliver them, shouldn't they go back to the drawing board? Yeah, there's an argument that the, the situation has changed quite dramatically. If you also look at where we were last October when the budget uh, was, was being delivered, nobody, nobody quite imagined that the, the COVID situation would be where it's, where it's at now, mm. where all restrictions would, would suddenly be dropped and we were looking at the, the, the end uh, in store and a, and a return uh, to some normality. So there is ample excuse there. I mean, if you do a mini emergency budget, in emergency times, because your your revenue but is coming it, down so dramatically that you have to. Is this an emergency, though? This is also an emergency. It's been described as, as the biggest uh, crisis facing the and uh, issue facing the government. Taoiseach saying only only two weeks ago in the doll that the big issue was greater supply mm. uh, went into the market, particularly at a, at a government level. Yeah, there is an argument there that they could just say, based on all of these things, here's an emergency budget. Well, we'll hear tomorrow evening what those measures are. No We'll discuss them tomorrow evening on tonight's show. But that is all for tonight. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning, which will be live from Cork with more on that inflation and cost of living crisis. From all the late team here, thank you very much for watching. Good night, take care and see you tomorrow night. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series.